You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Justin, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Definitely looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm going to open up with what you shared with me were the three biggest lessons from your story that you'd love people to take away, and that is surrender, trust, and do it scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, I feel that. (laughs) So with that intro, I would love for you to share a little bit of your backstory, and then we're going to dig into what happened when God abruptly, twice, called you to make a major change in your career. And you had to learn to do it the way I just described. So please share a bit about yourself, Justin. Thanks. Yeah, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I live here now with my wife and two kids. And I got into the entrepreneurial world through direct sales. I sold Cutco kitchen knives. And then I got into business-to-business sales, selling packaging for a period of time before moving into what I thought was going to be my long-term career, which was financial planning. And it was it was in that season that God called me that first time. Did you grow up in a family that had faith? What did that look like? I'm curious. Yeah, I grew up going to a Lutheran church in my my small town and going to Sunday school. And I remember when I was 18 and I left the house deciding not to go to church. I, I didn't have a church where I was going to college that I was already going to, and it felt like I had freedom and and choice. And I didn't go to church from age 18 to 22 or 23 a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And a cool experience was finding God in my own way and connecting with God in my own way and finding a deeper experience of faith around age 22 or 23 and choosing my relationship with Jesus. It's not like I stopped believing I did stop practicing. I, I definitely lost my depth of connection. But the truth is, Brian, I don't know if I ever had a real depth of connection with Jesus growing up. I believed I went to church, but it was different when in my mid-20s, I was really choosing Jesus myself. And that was a special experience and has been a special experience for me. Was there a moment where that became super real or was that kind of a process at that age? Well. I'll say that one of my friends who I sold Cutco knives with, he was going to church and he invited me to go with him to a non-denominational Christian church. And I remember going with him and thinking, wow, the the music, the sermon, the, the conversations with others like were really resonating with me. And so that was probably pivotal was was him inviting me to church. But then it was just a process over time. And what's interesting is I feel like Around age 25, I became who I am right now. Like my, you know, I, I know that they say a lot of your identity develops by the time you're seven. I feel like it took me till I was 25, and there was just a lot of work being done, and God was was continually shaping me. And of course, we're always growing and developing and changing. Even today, that's happening for me. Sure. But I felt like there was a gradual process around my mid 20s. I felt like I really stepped into the identity of who God was creating me to be a lot more so than I had previously. What was the identity that you embraced? I'm curious. Well, I think I began to embrace the identity of a leader. I embraced the identity of a Christian. 
of a child of God. I, I remember making some big decisions about like how I was going to show up in relationships and making a decision around my mid-20s that I was going to prepare myself for my future wife in a way that I hadn't done to that point. And I feel like my integrity and my values began to shape in a way that was different than who I'd been prior to that. It's not to say that I was like a bad person or I didn't have integrity or high values. I think I always was a a solid character person. My parents raised me really well and I did have a Christian upbringing, but there was kind of an ownership about deciding who I wanted to be and that I was a Christian. I was a leader. I was going to show up with the highest integrity I possibly could and begin to build deep relationships in the marketplace and in my network and hopefully show up as a person who could be trusted. I love that you said, I made a decision about how I was going to show up. That's something I think that just flies over our heads oftentimes. We don't recognize, and I put this in air quotes, we don't, that (laughs) we do have to make a choice like Mm -hmm. all the time. (laughs) like every minute, right? Mm -hmm. So when you made that decision to show up differently, what did that look like for you in terms of stealing yourself, as it were, internally, mentally, and emotionally when things got tough and you wanted to kind of go into default mode? Mm. What what was that like when you said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show up this way. Well, I think there was a developing discipline and and that was a big part of it. I, I did go through a breakup that felt painful for me at some point in my early 20s. And I remember just being heartbroken out of that breakup. And I remember that kind of called me into exercise and working out and getting to the gym. And like this became an important pattern for me. And I was eating healthier and I was doing things to take care of myself physically. That gave me greater like mental discipline as well. I started then to develop some spiritual discipline. I think I was just a little bit in in an unhealthy relationship with a woman, and I didn't realize how unhealthy it was at the time. And and when it was done, I was still really unhealthy and really sad and really broken up about it. But I think that I, I saw myself as this single person who needed to rebuild. And so I started working on different disciplines. I lost like 80 pounds, believe it or not, Whoa. Um, during that period of time. And that helped me develop discipline. And I started to read more and I started to connect with God more. And it was like one thing stacked upon another. There's a book that I read that I don't know that the author speaks in like a voice that like deeply connects me. There are some books that just like the author moves me. This isn't necessarily one of those, but it's an important concept and it's called the slight edge. And the slight edge suggests that like, you know, what we ought to do each day is just gain a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an edge again and again and again and again. And an example of this would be like flossing your teeth, because when you gain the slight edge, you don't really notice a difference immediately. If we floss our teeth today or we don't floss our teeth today, we don't notice something crazy or different about our mouth tomorrow or our <laughs> dental hygiene. Yeah. Our teeth aren't going to fall out tomorrow or look perfect and feel perfect in a way that they hadn't previously because we did or didn't floss our teeth. But gaining the slight edge of flossing our teeth over and over and over again, the compound interest on that is massive over a significant period of time and not flossing our teeth. The difference in like what our dental hygiene is going to be like a few decades from now is completely different. It's the same thing with investing, the same thing with pouring into God or whatever it is that we're doing. And so I think I found myself recognizing that gaining the slight edge is usually easy. 
to do and it's easy not to do. And I made a decision in my mid twenties to try to gain the slight edge more often. Yeah. And I'm not like a super hustler or a super disciplined person by nature. And I'm still completely imperfect and and I'm willing to be imperfect in that area. But I got so much better during that period of time, just saying, I just want to get a little win Mm -hmm. again and again and again, as much as often, as much and as often as possible. You coach people. Yeah. And I found in coaching that if you can get someone to just do one thing, just Mm -hmm. one thing, and I'm saying this to everyone listening, (laughs) if you're struggling and you feel like you need a enhancement of discipline to move the trajectory of your life, start with just one thing and be consistent, Mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people tend to start with a whole bunch of things. That's why New Year's resolutions fail most of the time, Mm -hmm. is just choose one thing. Ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, that you would have me to do? One thing would be every morning, just spend time sitting before him and listening, Mm -hmm. right? At the very least. Yeah. And see where that leads in terms of the other one things that he would lead Mm -hmm. you into. Fair enough? Yes. Makes such a big difference. Something small like that, taking five even minutes or 10 minutes with God can change the rest of your day and the rest of your life. Well, let's shift back into the career path that you had as a financial planner. And then God did something really dramatic, didn't he? Please share that. Yeah. So I had taken this big opportunity. I remember being recruited from one financial firm to another by someone who I really respected and and wanted to work with. I had a certain loyalty to where I was at. So it took a while for me to move over from the one firm to the next there was this long recruiting process. I remember getting tickets to a Packers game and like going to a few different events and like this really cool process and ultimately deciding to move to this new company that I thought was going to be maybe my career long company with people I was really excited to work with, who I really respected, who really valued me. And at this point, I had my own coach. I had hired my second coach actually. And I was working in a mastermind kind of environment, which means a group of people who just support each other and ask each other hard questions and solve problems together. And and it was like essentially a group coaching program. And I was one month into my job with my new company. And I remember we had this group call and there were six men in the the group at the time, plus the coach who was leading it. By the way, I, I ended up being part of this group for something like four years. And we had a weekly group call for four years. Wow! It was always scheduled for an hour and it never went longer than an hour and 10 minutes, except for this one time. And on this occasion, it began, and this never happened again either. As the group got bigger, it went from six to 70 clients eventually. But when it had six clients, Ben kind of called out one of the other clients on this group call. So he he taught and kind of did the the opening of the call that's normal and at the end of the call he gave a really direct call out to one of the men and said, you know, this this gentleman Seth, he said, "Seth, you're the only person on this call who's not living his truth. You're saying that you want this, you're talking about this and you're doing this." And he like just kind of directly called him out and Seth to his credit received this and decided to get really vulnerable with us guys. And he shared the ways in which he was showing up out of alignment with who he really is. And the language of this was that he wasn't honoring his truth. Mm. And I remember Seth like crying on this call. And when he finished sharing, one of the other guys said, hey, 
Seth's not the only one. I'm also not living my truth. And he shared vulnerably and there were tears. And then the next guy and the next guy and this call ended up going two and a half hours. Every single person shared. And I remember I was at a basketball game that my new company had given me tickets to. I was listening in through my earbuds and telling the people I was with this will end at, you know, X, Y, Z time. It was actually a women's college basketball game that we were at. And so it was supposed to end like at the beginning of that basketball game. And then I was going to be present to the people I was with. Mm-hmm. And and then this crazy thing started to happen. And of course I couldn't pull my ears away from hearing these guys pour their hearts out and share these deep truths about who they want to be and how they're showing up. And, and, it took the entire game because a women's college basketball game, I think it was like 90 minutes. Here we are. This call went over two and a half hours and I'm walking in the parking lot back to my car and everyone has shared except for me. And Ben said, Justin, do you have anything you want to share? And I gave my honest response, which is like, no, I honestly thank you so much. Everyone else for sharing. I'm super inspired. I do believe I'm living my truth. <laughs> and so I was the one guy who didn't have some big share had some vulnerable share and the call ended. And 20 minutes later, I'm walking down the hall in my apartment building to my apartment. And it felt like God hit me in the chest Mm. with something. And this is the first time I felt like God had like given me a message like this. I almost went weak at the knees. Like I felt him telling me that what I was doing wasn't what I was meant to be doing. And in fact, like what I was meant to be doing was working with people from the inside out rather than the outside in on their finances. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, I received this as like, I needed to be a coach. And I called Ben and I said, I I think I need to quit my job. I I do realize now that I've got a different truth. I feel like God just gave me a message and it was so clear. And I'd never experienced anything like this before. And he said, well, if if you're going to do this, when do you think you should do it? And I said, right now, like immediately. And I went to my boss's house the next day and I quit my job and he was so upset. And this is a man I really respect and I still know him and love him. And he, this was a moment out of character, but he was so shocked. You know, he'd recruited me for a year. We'd, I'd been there for a month. Like the business plan for the team was built in part around what I was going to contribute. He was just in shock. He stood there in disbelief and just stared at me for several seconds. He said, what do you expect me to say? And I said, well, I, I was hoping that you'd say that, you know, good luck or you understand or something because I told him this is like my truth. This is coming from God. This is this crazy thing. I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. But he he was very upset mm. and he told me why maybe I shouldn't do it, why he was concerned. It wasn't a good idea. He, he was swearing. He said, you've got a great effing opportunity here. And among other things that he said, he said, why don't you take the weekend and think about it? And I did. And I talked to some people I trust and respected and the weekend came and went and my decision was the same that I needed to quit my job. I needed to start a coaching business. Powerful, man. So were you married at this time? No, I was single at this time. Okay. So what happened next? I was talking to my older brother and he said, oh, this coaching business, like this is an online business. You can do this from anywhere. He said, why don't you come live in Colorado with us? We've got a guest room. He was stationed there in the military with his family. He's like, come live with us for free while you get started with your business. And that sounded like a good idea. I never thought in my life I would leave Wisconsin, but I remember thinking this will be like a three-month adventure. I'll go out and spend a little bit of time in Colorado. I'll have an adventure. I'll launch my coaching business. And because I can do it from anywhere, I'll come right back to Wisconsin. But I, I remember making my first sales as a coach on my drive to Colorado. 
And then I remember getting there and not only was my brother in Colorado Springs, but my coach in the startup company that he was leading was in Denver. So only an hour north. Mm -hmm. And so I was receiving coaching from my coach, living with my brother, making my first few coaching sales. And then my company that was, was coaching me said, Hey, we could use a salesperson. It seems like you're able to do this. Like, do you want to partner with us and, and work in our startup company? And it felt like I had a lot to learn. And so I accepted that opportunity. They were giving me a thousand dollar a month salary, by the way, and, and commission only. And I can come back to this part of the story, but I went like a hundred sales calls in a row that summer without making a sale. So I was barely making any money. Uh -oh. We were calling on the wrong target audience with a high ticket offer and no website, and no reputation, cold calling C-level executives on LinkedIn. It was not working, yeah. but I persisted. And so I made about $3,000 that summer. And during that period of time, I met my now wife, Kara. And I remember meeting Kara and immediately that weekend telling my two best friends, I think I just met my wife. I and my that. one friend's super optimistic. And he's like, yes, dude, amazing. He was super fired up for me. <laughs> and my other buddy who's really analytical, he's like, yeah, probably not. But I'm really glad that you had a great first date. <laughs> you know. And, and it, she did end up becoming my wife. And it felt like this was a God movement as well, because within four months of moving to Colorado, my brother got shipped off to Germany and the company in Denver that I started working with went out to California. And so had I not met Kara during that very brief window, I would have either gone to California with that company or I would have gone back to Wisconsin, but I met her and was falling in love pretty quickly and knew I needed to stay there until we were married before going anywhere else. Wow. And so I felt like God threw this message to like, start my coaching business also led me to my wife. So when that company moved to California, did you stay and continue working remotely or did you pivot back into your own coaching business? I continued to work remotely for them in Colorado. And then when Kara and I got married, we moved to San Francisco to join the company. We had a crazy experience out there, by the way. Like I read this book by Francis Chan called You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity. And if you've read Francis Chan or heard him speak, he's like, pretty intense, kind of convicting, you know, makes you sick to your stomach sometimes because he makes you really yeah. think about your life and how you're showing up. And he's just got such a passion and such a faith, like beyond what, what, you know, is easy for me to even imagine, like the way he loves God and is connected to God. It's such a, an amazing thing. This book was about marriage and it definitely gave Kara and I some great insights into marriage. But for some reason, what that book called out of me was this desire to give radically. And and so we made 2016 the year of radical giving for us. And so we moved from Colorado Springs to San Francisco. We doubled our rent moving from a three-bedroom house to a studio apartment in San Francisco. My wife left her job and had a job search for a few months there. So our standard of living went way up. Our income went way down. And we decided to give 20% that first year of marriage. And like we went into debt giving 20%. We also fed somebody on every single day for a year because we want to cultivate the habit of giving. And in San Francisco, there are so many people who need food. And and so we like literally just would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and take them to the street. Wow. And we had this crazy year of radical giving that God called us to. And halfway through the year, we almost stopped doing it because <laughs> we were struggling financially. It was hard. But ultimately, like conviction won over and we continued to give and, and God blessed us beyond what we could have imagined later that year and had, had my first six-figure earnings year. And ultimately set some foundations that led eventually to the business I'm running now. 
So you wound up doing radical giving. The Lord obviously led you into that. And then the latter part of the year is when things exploded with respect to your income. And mm-hmm. that was with selling the coaching mm-hmm. opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So had you finally fine-tuned the targets? What shifted? What did God reveal to you that caused this to take off? financially. Well, let me rewind just a little bit to say that like it took off right after that summer. So I had these 100 sales calls. We were calling on the wrong audience. They were cold. We didn't have any good marketing. It wasn't very effective. But what I was told was I needed to focus on mastery of the skill set. And that was more important on every single call than actually making a sale. And these C-level executives were like kind of in my my version of it, I felt like I was getting beat up on these calls. Mm. They were kind of pushing me around and I needed to learn how to be an, a leader and how to find my authentic leadership voice. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell that it's working or you're making a whole lot of progress when you're not making sales. Yeah. But what ended up happening was that fall, we switched from pursuing C-level executives to selling to salespeople, which is a more ideal target audience for us as a company because we were all salespeople. We also had a network of our own friends and acquaintances and people we'd worked with in the past who were salespeople. So we started calling on people we knew and referrals and like making the calls a lot warmer Mm -hmm. than these like cold LinkedIn reach outs. And I remember my company giving me a new comp plan and it was this bonus structure that was based on points. 25 points, I'd get a bonus, 50, I'd get a bonus, 75, a bigger bonus than that. And a hundred points, I'd get this big $20,000 bonus. Plus I get all my commissions. I'd only earn $3,000 all summer, $1,000 a month. So a $20,000 bonus sounded incredible. And my, my sales manager said, well, if you work really hard, maybe in three years, you could earn that highest level of bonus. And I hit it that next quarter. Come on. Which was, was amazing. <laughs> so I went from like zero sales in three months to just absolutely crushing it. And I think part of it was, you know, of course, trusting in God. But the other parts were really working on my skill set, having resolve mm. to just keep going when it felt hard. And like eventually, with the right target audience, warmer leads. And a skill set that was focused on mastering, getting really good at influence and, and making it easy for the right people to say yes, kind of everything came together in a hurry. And so that was working when I moved to San Francisco, but my wife's income changed dramatically and our standard of living just was so expensive there that it was hard. And then we were giving 20%. We were in this position where it was hard financially, but not only did God end up blessing us through the end of that year with, with a really cool income opportunity... But my dad had a heart attack the next year and we started to go fund me for him. And like, he's in the hospital. He's going to have open heart surgery. I was concerned my mom wasn't going to be okay financially. They were very stressed out financially. And mm-hmm. and God showed up in like some amazing ways. Like, I think that they were thinking, oh, if we could raise $2,000, that would be cool. We raised over $30,000 for my parents through this GoFundMe I started. It was like wow. all the giving we had done, everyone poured back into us and took care of my family and mm. gave my mom and dad a lot of relief from any stress or financial concern during a hard time. And my dad made it and he's fine. He's still with us today. Awesome. Uh, but I feel like you know that was a representation of God just overflowing the storehouses after we gave him our first and our best. There's these two th- converging themes that I'm hearing, Justin, as you speak. The first one is discipline. It's just choosing in the natural realm to make some decisions, for example, about making your skill set better or flossing your teeth, as it were, right? Back to that book. Then there's also the obedience piece of, Lord, 
what do you want me to do? And he mm-hmm. tells you, and you did it. And the convergence of your obedience with discipline, there's just this wonderful connection here that I think oftentimes we tend to compartmentalize one or the other and think all we have to do is one or the other. It's both and, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. For sure. So oftentimes I think there's this sense of, well, if I'm seeking the Lord, I don't really need to do anything else. Well, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> there's action required all the time. And whether that action is yeah. being still because you're being led to do that or take a step of faith, which is most often the case as well, there's mm-hmm. going to be some movement there too. I just saw that coming together in your story. You had another experience. I don't want to short circuit what you want to complete <laughs> here with your story, but you moved from San Francisco though back to Milwaukee, didn't you? Yeah. So that was an experience. We first moved from San Francisco back to Colorado. And I remember receiving a couple of amazing job offers and ultimately like deciding to stay with my company. They literally doubled my compensation plan overnight when I got a big job offer from someone else. This is part of God's provision. And they also gave me the opportunity to move back with my wife to Colorado Springs where we wanted to start our family. And so not only did they like dramatically raise my compensation package because I was doing very well and and clearly I was important to the company, but they also let us move back to Colorado Springs where our financial needs shifted dramatically. And I was a sales manager now at this point for the company. And our first child was born, our daughter, Grace. And my wife decided to leave her job because I was now making enough money to provide for the family. And my wife, by the way, is very successful. She was a psychology teacher at the Air Force Academy after being top of her class in behavioral sciences there, two-time teacher of the year at the academy, and owned her own house before I met her. So very successful. And it was a big deal for yeah. her to trust that I was going to provide and to just say she wanted to stay home for Grace's first year of life. And after three weeks off for paternity leave, on my second day back to work, oh, God called again for something new. And what had, what had happened was we had been with this company for four years, and it's a personal development company that was very conscious and you know kind of spiritual without being Christian. Mm-hmm. And that consciousness, that spirituality that you see in the, the personal development space a lot, it grew and grew and grew. And over time, it started to feel like it was somewhat in conflict with my faith. And I thought for a while that God was calling me to be a light there for him. Uh, But on my second day back to work, I had a conversation with one of our clients who had been to the most recent retreat or event that we do for our clients. I wasn't there because Kara was about to give birth to, to Grace. And so he told me that he felt like a spiritual movement there that was not in alignment with the Christian faith. And he said he thought if a a person of strong Christian faith came into that community, they'd be drawn away from Jesus because of the community. And I was like, oh boy. So I had to face this like right up front. And like, I felt again, like God was telling me in that conversation, in that moment, right after that, I need to leave and do something different. I need to do something that honors him more in an environment that honors him more. And I had like eight months prior to that thought about someday running my own coaching business again and making it faith-based. I'd actually like claimed the domain for faith to influence. Like I'd, I I didn't think I was going to do this for five years or 10 years, but, but I had this like vision, which maybe is inspiration from God as well, 
And I, I took out the domain for faith to influence. And I thought through a little business plan. And here God was second day back to work, calling me to quit my job and start this business. And I remember calling Kara and telling her and her just crying, you know, obviously emotional, oh, yeah. kind of shocked. This is out of the blue for her. This is different with a family now. And, and we took a month. I didn't quit the next day, but we took a month and thought about it and prayed on it and consulted people we trusted. And like, we both just came to the same decision that this is what God wanted was for me to start my own business and and bring him directly into it, bring him into the marketplace and into sales and business and entrepreneurship. I decided a month later to quit my job and start Faith to Influence. And it was so scary because we only had the runway of a few months uh, financially and my wife wasn't working. And so this kind of had to work. And I told her if it didn't show financial viability, this business within six months, I knew exactly where I was going to go and ask for a job. I didn't burn the boats. Like I, I was prepared for it not to work and what I would do next, but felt like I needed to answer God's call again mm-hmm. and take this risk to start my own business. So you took a month this time to make that transition as opposed to mm-hmm. I'm quitting today kind of thing. Yes. Right. All over the weekend. A <laughs> lot, more, lot more at stake when it wasn't just for me. Obviously, things worked out and this is what you've been doing full time now for how long, Justin? I've been running my business for Gosh, four and a half years now, I've been running Faith to Influence. And and I'll tell you, Brian, the first few months were hard. The first few months were scary. I faced some self-doubt, some concerns, some fears that I couldn't do it. I felt really excited and impassionate about what I was doing with Faith to Influence, starting this coaching business for Christian entrepreneurs. But I also, at the same time, felt scared and wondered whether or not I could do this and whether or not it was going to work out. And one of my initial business strategies was to sell a live three-day retreat, a high ticket price point for that three-day retreat, over $1,000 to come, and there to then make an offer to an annual group coaching or mastermind type program for around $10,000. And and I had eight people set to come to this first retreat. And I remember the day before, it felt like everything was going wrong in preparation. Like It felt like the enemy was attacking. I had a toothache that day that has never been there before or mm-hmm. after, mm-hmm. but like a, an intense toothache, toothache for one day. I had a picture fall to the rafters of our garage and almost knock me out on the head. Uh, I, I had like our technology not working. I remember feeling so frustrated and being at the event space, trying to set things up and like really struggling with it. And maybe this is TMI, but but grabbing my little baby, Grace, because I thought maybe she would give me some comfort when I wasn't feeling well and I was feeling nervous and I picked her up on my lap and she had a blowout diaper on my lap. I mean, like <laughs> everything going wrong. And like shortly after that, maybe an hour later, I was sitting in a blue chair in the middle of this Airbnb living room where I was going to hold the event. And I was looking out at the other chairs and the, the couches and seeing where the people were going to sit the next day. And I was kind of imagining them there. But what I was imagining wasn't empowering. I was imagining them looking back at me midday the next day with the look of disappointment on their faces, like they wish they hadn't done this. And I remember crying in that chair thinking, maybe I read the signs wrong. Maybe this wasn't from God. Like maybe I'm in over my head. Maybe I can't do this. And I felt so weak and so scared. And And what I had to recognize is, well, maybe I couldn't do this on my own, but God can do anything. And he clearly called me to this. And so this is the the moment of surrender was 
deciding to leave the event space, to stop pouring over my notes or preparing, to trust the technology was just going to work itself out rather than stressing myself out. And I went home with my wife and my baby and we watched a movie and ate dinner and prayed and went to sleep and just decided to surrender to God and trust in him and give this to him. And the next day I woke up with a blanket of confidence around me and I knew I could do it. It was such a dramatic shift. And that weekend went amazingly well. All eight people cried at some point during the weekend. Six of the eight people joined my program. And by the end of that weekend, including some one-on-one coaching sales and other things that we had done prior to that date, we're three months into running the business and had over $100,000 in booked revenue. Ended up doing over two hundred fifty grand in collected revenue in the first year, far beyond what I could have imagined. And, and God just had bigger plans wow. for this than, than I could have guessed. I love it. Man. You really did face the giant, as it were, didn't you? Yeah, it felt like that. You you and your wife just made a decision. We're going to go home. We're going to disconnect because ultimately, I'm trusting you, Lord. Mm-hmm. You had done the prep. You already knew the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been doing it. We tend to over-prepare when we're not trusting. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't prepare. I know you know what I'm saying. Right. But there's a point where you go, I have what I need. It's all inside me. In fact, it's astonishing how much God can pull out when we finally open our palms up and just say, have your mm-hmm. way. And you've probably had experiences as you coach people where they'll go, oh my gosh, Justin, I can't believe you just said that. And you'll say, what did I say? Oh, the Lord just used you to yeah. say this. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad it spoke to you. Yeah. Holy Spirit just just took it when it came out of your mouth and made it come alive. I just love when he does that stuff oh, too. Totally. Yeah. How can people find out more about you and your business? Well, if you want to learn about my business, you can go to faith2influence.com. That's the name of our business is faith2influence.com. And if someone who's listening is an entrepreneur, specifically if they're a coach or like a service providing entrepreneur, we've got a gift for you. It's a free download of our 10-step sales process. And you can get that at www.goodsalespdf.com. This is a really high conversion, high integrity sales process that honestly can help anyone who's selling anything, but it's designed specifically for Christian coaches and it's at goodsalespdf.com. Great. As we finish here, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Yeah, God, thank you so much for this time. I pray as people are listening that if they're in a position similar to the one I was in, where you're calling them to something and it feels big, it feels scary, they're not sure if they can do it, I pray, God, that you just give them the courage you gave me to say yes, to surrender, to trust in you, to take that action, even when it feels really hard or really scary. You know, we said surrender, trust, and do it scared. Three of the keys that I feel like you've taught me over the last handful of years, God, I pray that you bring that to people. I pray that you call us to stretch. I pray, God, that you help us to multiply our talents, help us to become more and more of who you create us to be each day. God, I pray that you bless us in our businesses, in our lives, in our families. I pray, God, that you help us to love each other and our neighbors and you more and more. And God, as you bless us, I pray that you help us become more of a blessing to our neighbors and to our communities and our teams and our clients and our churches and the kingdom. And all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin, so much for sharing your story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make 
is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.